3: I'm blue and lonesome As a man can be Rich man, poor man, how you gonna live? Will you turn out your pockets or away?
1: things blues and southern rock podcast a southern storm a bold liberating rock shot through with blues soul and gospel and now your hosts for the show
2: brian jones and jason johannes welcome to another episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast now on pantheon podcast as you guys know by now so check out pantheon and find uh the music podcast of your choice. With me always is Jason. What's going on? How are we doing? Hey, man. What's up?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm doing wonderful. Um, Kids are out of the house at school. Just had my 48th birthday. Everything's going yeah, great. Cool. How, how are on. you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. Yeah? Um, Yeah, doing good. Oh, yeah. I got a but, question for you. Sure.
1: Oh, no, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Um, you might be asking. You're going to ask about the LA Gun show? <laughs> yes, I'm going to ask about LA Guns. <laughs> that was cool, man. <laughs> I like I said when I texted you or messaged you, whatever. Like, holy shit! Yeah, like Phil Lewis, are you kidding me? Like, he sings amazing, and the whole band is incredible. Now, uh, I got to talk to Ace for a couple minutes, you know, before the show and bought one of his hats for his, you know, his, you know, and that's not we, it's not a rescue, but as uh, pit, pitbull advocate. So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah that's the
2: same, same hat, same exact hat, same color, and everything. Yep. Yeah?
1: I bought that from Very him cool. at rock and pod this past year. Okay, cool. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Was no, that, that was great. I'd love to
2: see him play longer, you know, but they played, I don't know, a little over an hour, maybe.
1: Oh, that's not bad because when I saw them play the headlining, you know, uh, the the first stop of this tour, they probably played an hour and 20 hour and 25 minutes. So not, you didn't miss a whole lot.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, it, it was incredible. Absolutely
1: incredible. I was so impressed. And hopefully Ace remembered you. I'm sure he did. Oh, yeah, he
2: did. Yeah. As soon as I walked up, he said, hey, man, what's up?
1: Yeah, he's super. He's just a nice guy.
2: So that was very, very cool. Yeah, um, so I don't know. What are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, side projects, bands with what side are, projects?
1: Eventually, but I'm going to talk more about L.A. Guns. All right. <laughs> um, what songs? I know Phil and the whole band, like, because I've been telling you, because I've seen them twice since last summer, and they blew me away every time. Like, what song stuck out to you? um probably
2: kiss my love goodbye that yeah. was cool and you know um
1: probably close that one out or close to the end of the set
2: it was a little later on yeah yeah, yeah. they played speed and they opened with cannonball oh yeah so that was cool
1: i um, love over the edge where ace yeah. and tracy yep. do a little yep. yeah they For do sure, a little yeah. harmonizing on the guitars sure. that they that's a great song
2: yeah and tracy did a whole kind of thing where you Played snippets of like three or four songs before "Never Enough," and of course they always go into 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 uh, "Hells Bells," I believe,
1: right? Yep, coming out. Yeah,
2: yeah. You he he, talking did, about love, Iron Man, and a couple other things that he
1: did on there? Yeah. Did your did your opinion of Tracy Gun's guitar guitar playing change?
2: Yeah, first time i have seen him live. I mean, I always knew he was great, but yeah. He's just he's on fire.
1: He's he's underrated. I think none of us probably realized how good of a guitar player he was. Like he's really good, you know, memorable songs and riffs. But he could I mean, he gets after it on guitar. He's as good as anybody. Yeah. And he just he, he only
2: uh, just used two guitars, you know, and at the end for Jane and uh, Rip and Tear, uh, he had a tally.
1: Oh, did he play the um, Jimmy Page like dragon, the multicolored like painted yeah. telly? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a sweet one. Did he play a Les Paul and then that telly, or did he have that single nope. uh, pickup pa- Kramer pacer out there? Is that what it was? Yeah, I thought yeah. it
2: was like a Strat shaped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when he played that the whole night, except for right at the end the
1: telly. I bit. didn't have the Les Paul out. Interesting.
2: No, he didn't.
1: Did Ace do the Explorer and then his Les Paul? Yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the Explorer. Remember, Gibson had lent him Mm -hmm. that he's trying to keep. It's great. It's a good look for him. It sounds wonderful. Like, Gibson would be dumb not to allow him to just keep that guitar.
2: Right. So, what else? What else about LA Guns? You got anything else?
1: Uh, I think that's it. I'm just really happy you finally got a chance to see them live because they're really freaking super good and they're they haven't lost a beat right and they're probably as good as they've ever been
3: mm,
2: for sure yeah i uh i can't wait to see them again
1: it's- yeah man good good show you just sit there for the hour plus with a smile on your face the whole time and it feels like you're back in high school
2: yeah no that's exactly yeah exactly it was like 1989
0: yeah
1: man like it. it's just a good feeling i took my friend keith who was a casual la guns fan he loved it he loved it like he was like this is a lot of this is awesome i'm like yep Yes, it is. So everybody who's listening, if LA Guns is in your neck of the woods, absolutely see him, right, Brian?
2: Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I thought we might talk about side projects, but we should just go right into our our awesome returning guest.
1: Well, well, we are talking side projects, but our awesome returning guest is the one and only Steve Gorman, one of our favorite drummers from our favorite band, the Black Rose. He's got a new side project out there, Brian, right?
2: Yeah, the Bagman. Uh... He, uh, of course, is in Tr- Trigger Hippie, and they're not busy right now, so uh, they're doing the Bagmen with with Nick, the bass player in Trigger Hippie, and Luther um, from North Mississippi All-Stars, and, of course, played in the Crows for a while, and uh, it was cool that it, I knew you'd been talking back and forth, emailing or whatever with Steve, and then all of a sudden he was available, so I'm like hell yeah you know and then this is a sunday we don't do much on a sunday but if
1: it's nope. the right person and it is sunday's a holy day, day but yeah. this is one of the holy members of a holy band that's why we had to we had to make our time for him so you're gonna hear
2: about the bagman and you hear a lot of sports of course so you guys uh kick back relax and listen to our conversation with the one and only steve gorman
3: You better hurry up, quick! She don't flip the switch. Well, she get a laugh on cue, and in a picture, bitch. And you know, sometimes I just ain't equipped to do anything about it.
2: We're here at the guest segment of the podcast, and Jason is going to introduce our our awesome returning guest.
1: Uh, Yeah, from one of the greatest bands of all time, one of the greatest drummers of all time. Welcoming back to the show, Steve Gorman. How you doing, Steve?
4: I'm all right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on.
2: Thanks for being on. I was asking you before we got on like how you fully acclimated to the the frozen death weather up here in this area of the country.
4: I haven't had the full winter experience. I got up here January uh, 2nd or 3rd. So, I mean, I had a lot, but (laughs) I know it starts. I know you got to, you know, November 1 is when you got to, you know, start the swivel head looking around, (laughs) watch out for the hawk, the winter wind that comes in. So, uh, you know, I'll let you know a year from now how I'm holding up.
1: Right on. So, Brian, um, since Steve has not hit that full first year, up north for the winter what is the best advice you can give him being a man from fargo north dakota here
2: um uh yeah i don't know man i've lived here my whole life and you it's like i still walk outside and go it's cold
4: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i only had a few of those moments actually i live about a mile and a half from the station and i you know i got a heated garage so (laughs) i got about a 10 step walk from my car to the front door and uh, I bundle up like crazy, but there were a couple days, even you know, covered head to toe. Get out of the car at 5 a.m. and it's like 16 below zero. There's really nothing in my closet that's enough to make me not realize <laughs> that. You know, it was. I had some near central nervous shutdowns. A couple of seconds there, like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> uh but i i didn't talk about it much cuz you know the last thing you want to say to a bunch of minnesotans is god it's cold out there today <laughs> yeah they know
1: you've li- i think you've lived most of your life down south right until now
4: yeah i moved to kentucky when i was 10 uh from just south of baltimore and then um yeah 10 to 21 there then i was in atlanta for 13 years and then was gone for five years in New York and then LA. And then, um, yeah, back in Tennessee. So I don't know, whatever that math is well over, uh, I'd say at least 75% of my life, uh, in the South.
1: What is the biggest culture shock though, from being South to just generally warm weather to where you're at now? Um, well, I don't
4: know. I mean, there's probably a bunch of things I've noticed it's I I've spent a lot of time here before there weren't a whole lot of things I wasn't, um, that I had no idea about, you know what I mean? I've got, a, I've got friends up here. I've got, um, and like I said, I've been here a lot. I just, uh, I, you know, th- there's, there's just different. Uh, well, I t- well, here's, I don't know if this would be culture shock, but speaking of just the weather, it was funny to me how surprised I was when everything melted in April, I couldn't get over how wide the streets were. you know i had three months of driving on narrow roads that i just and i knew that that was snow and ice pack and that's that's (laughs) not what the streets normally look like but still that's what i got used to that's what it was first so once everything melted i was like oh my god there's so much room to drive now um (laughs) you know uh it's it's amazing how quickly like in the south when you get that first warm uh weekend after a winter the winter's not as brutal. And that first weekend isn't nearly as impactful, but you still see people, you know, there'll be a weekend. It could be in March when everybody suddenly, you know, it's the first day hit 70, everyone's in shorts and tank tops. And, and, you know, and, and, and like Nashville, you know, you're thinking, well, it's going to get cold again. We're going to have another frost, but go ahead and get it while you can. But up here, when that happened in um, late March, or maybe it was early April, there was a weekend when suddenly it was 68 and sunny I mean, every fucking buddy was out in shore. I mean, I've never Mm -hmm. seen more white legs and white (laughs) shoulders out in the sun. Yep. I was like, man. And then, of course, three days after that, it was snowing again. But they knew what they were getting into up here. But the uh, when the weather does turn, it's it's phenomenally invigorating, you know, like like right away. Just the entire (laughs) mood of the city is so different. Um it's pretty I mean and people said that's what happened and they were right it was pretty shocking.
2: Well I know we don't have much time so like we wanted to like get right into this this band you got going uh, the Bagmen mm-hmm. let's, let's hear all about this it'd this be great. Um
4: I don't know what there is to say yet you know <laughs> we, it's, it's we've been talking about it for a long time uh and I say we Luther and I have gone back and forth for years about man we got to do something and and that's an common thing that musicians say when they like playing together. Um, and then just at some point, probably a year ago, uh, we were talking and um, and, and it, for a little while he had, you know, we had thought about maybe we'll just do a two man thing. And then I said, well, let's do a two man thing, but with an organ player, three man guitar keys and drums and just trying to think about what would be interesting and different. And when it came down to it, um, we just in talking and this was last summer, yeah, a year ago. We were just saying, like, no, the cool thing would be just find a bass player, and then we don't even have – we just plug in and go. And if we're going to do anything, the key is not to – it's not to overthink. It's not that we don't want to overthink. It's like we don't even want to think. Like, let's just do something that's fun. Because we really, really love playing together, Luther and I. Just dig the vibe anytime we ever play. And then uh, he actually said, well, what about Nick, who I'm, of course, in Trigger Hippie with? Yep. And at my 50th birthday party, which is now eight years ago, um, there was just a big jam that went late into the night. And at one point, just as people would hop on and hop off, there was a little stretch where it was me, Nick, and Luther playing. And, and that night, we were all like, man, that was cool. There was something happening there. And so it's just, long story short, last summer, he said, well, man, I'd really like to do it. Let's do this next year sometime. And I said, great, I'm all for it. Um, and then it was... I asked Nick if he was interested, and he said, yeah, absolutely. We had a call. So at some point, we were just texting ideas to each other. Here's a riff. Here's a song idea. And then we had the big call to say, okay, for real, let's do this. Let's get together and play. We're going to go to our friend's studio. Well, let's just record a bunch of songs as we write them just to have them done. And the day that we had that call to officially cement this plan was the day after I took a gig in Minneapolis. And so we all three lived in Nashville. So it's like, we're all laughing about how easy it's going to be. And we're like, man, we just had two years of shutdown. Why are we waiting till now? But whatever, let's do it. And then in the middle of the conversation, I said, oh, by the way, I need to let you guys know I'm going to Minnesota in a couple of weeks. Um, So that was the only, so far, the only wrinkle. Cause of course, you know, they make airplanes. And, uh, you know, I just flew down to Nashville in May and we tracked a bunch of songs. And then um, just started booking gigs. And, um, you know, we don't have a lot this year because we didn't think we would. We don't have a lot of time. But the whole thinking is that we're going to play these shows with the hope that we get a bunch of
1: Yeah. Hey Steve, with you moving, that that's kind of a, a good question. Are you guys sharing like files back and forth so you can take them home, look at them since you guys aren't all in Nashville now? Like how how's, how's the song going? Or did you just show up in person and that's what you're doing?
4: No, there was a few ideas that we sent back and forth, like just riffs or, or you know, just, or, you know, like here's a song, you know, here's something I wrote. What do you guys think? But for the, I mean, we did that a little bit, just enough to know that we were all on the same page. We really spent more time talking about covers and, and not that we're going to do all the covers we suggested, but just getting that general list together. to That's how you really establish what the vibe might be. So uh, at this point, you know, we have 10, I think we have 10 songs recorded um, and we're just finishing them a couple at a time. We're just going to put two songs up online every, every time we get a couple finished. You know, the, when I say they're recorded, the basic tracks are done still need to get either vocals done or just get it mixed and mastered and every time we do that we'll just put songs up every, you know, month every 6 weeks two at a time. I don't think there's any reason to hit anybody over the head with 10 songs especially for something brand new. And then really just feeling our way like we have shows this week. Um mm-hmm. I imagine these will be different than the ones we did last month just because like there's not a master plan for what we're doing. We kind of get up and wing it and have a good time. And and I mean honestly there's no like I say, every project I do, no matter what it is, the plan is always global domination. <laughs> but but there's not actually a plan for how to get that. It's just, <laughs> what do you want to do with it? I don't know, dominate,
2: take over the world. But we're not going <laughs> to
4: sit down and do a PowerPoint presentation and try to figure out how to do that exactly.
2: So is is this all happening when there's a downtime from Trigger Hippie or, or is there, you guys got stuff working at that at the same time? Like
3: how's Right now, Trigger, yeah, trigger Hippie's,
4: Well, Trigger Hippie's not working this year. We did a few gigs Mm -hmm. and for for a million reasons that are just what happens when you have five and sometimes six people in a band, it just got really hard to get stuff together. And so we just are taking a break. And then this Mm -hmm. was always something, like I said, for a few years, we'd had this idea cooking and then finally just decided, well, let's just commit to that right now. Um, You know, I don't know what's going on with Trigger Hippie other than we're just not working. But we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we recorded some new stuff that we hadn't that we haven't put out we'll just see what happens but i don't want to i don't want to it's it's the most Mm low-key we'll figure it out when we figure it out situation so um and you know luther has plenty of other things he's doing uh nick has other projects and then i obviously have other you know i'm up here so it's this is anything but a full-time commitment or priority right now the priority is literally, as trite as it sounds, it's just to really do something that we love doing together. We really mm-hmm. enjoy playing together. It's awesome. it's it's about as simple as it gets.
1: Awesome. Uh, hey, you were saying this run of shows coming up this week, so we're recording on August 20th. And happy belated birthday, Steve. You had a birthday the other day. Thanks. So fellow Leo's got to stick together. Mine was yesterday. Right on. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, shows this week. So you said they're going to be a little bit different than your run in May. How so? Oh, I, I just they'll feel different.
4: I mean, we're just, you know, I, just because that's the nature of this particular thing. We don't have a template. I mean, I was, I just flew back to Minneapolis today uh, from the West Coast and I was thinking like, I should, I got to remind myself some of the jams we were doing and I have one of the gigs recorded. And as soon as I started listening, I just stopped because I was like, well, I don't want to listen to that. We'll just figure out, we'll do something different this time around. Um, Luther really is such a, He's not a repeater. You know what I mean? He doesn't like to try to cover the same ground. Um, And so, like, in my mind, I'm just trying to keep up with him. And in his mind, he says, I'm just trying to keep up with you. And so, you know, (laughs) and and then, of course, Nick holds the whole thing together. So somewhere in all that, it's so far, so good.
2: So you're talking about the simplicity of it. Is it just... The songs just start from getting together with Jam, like, no, no pre idea of anything. It's just like, let's see what happens. There's, well,
4: there's always an idea, if not a song fully written. You know, Nick is, has a million songs, and so some of these are songs he'd already written and brought in, and then some were just as simple as, um, I just have an idea, here's a riff, and then we just start throwing ideas around and playing. Um, the recordings that we've put out so far that we did 10 tracks in a few days, and I'd say probably half of them were the first or second time we played a song um without then playing the third fourth and fifth and realizing it was take 2 if we did a take and we all looked around and was like that feels pretty cool the whole yeah. idea is like well it's not going to get better mm-hmm. like it, it 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 and 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 just by the nature of things like um what's the fir- the song uh I can feel it there's a whole jam at the end which we didn't discuss at all we just had the basic blueprint of a song here's the arrangement. Let's play through it and see, and then just get to the end and we'll end it. And we just kept playing. And it's like a, there's a three and a half minute song and then a jam for about five minutes after. And we finished the track, we finished it, we ended it and just went, well, cool. How are we going to beat that? You know, it just felt like something, you know, like, well, that we could, we could learn it better. And then we would lose some sort of that, you know, I don't know, not to get too, Esoteric, but there is an essence to a song when everybody's looking at each other, going, "I think we all know where we're going with this." You know, there's just a vibe that you can't recapture.
2: So back when you and Luther were playing before, was there anything that, uh, that that would happen in soundcheck with just you and him doing any duo stuff? That, that
4: I don't remember that. I, or... I, I, I don't remember that. I know that when we were, you know, just just in the crows material, when we would be playing the jams i mean obviously with the new stuff with the records we made with luther that material because he didn't have to think about what had been there before and we weren't adjusting to his take on something we'd all played a million times it was easiest with the new material even after it was recorded to then take it in a different directions and jam if that makes sense it just mm-hmm. that stuff just was th- those were his songs as opposed to the the stuff from the catalog that weren't his songs that he then put his own stamp on but I mean, generally speaking, we just—I um, was at a place as, in my playing, and the band was at a place where there was just more exploration for the individual, for everybody to be playing with other people. I think um, I know in, the, in for to me in the the the, the most uh, interesting playing within the band was the Luther years, just in that I would go off with Luther in the middle of a jam for a while, and I would play off Adam, and Adam and Luther would play off each other. So it wasn't always the rhythm sections establishing something, and then the lead guitarist and the keyboardist are, are winging it. It was way more everybody's doing different things. Um, so, and sometimes it was great, and sometimes it wasn't, You know, frankly. I, I'm sure sometimes it was just like, ooh, we went way too far in some direction there. But just, and I'm not saying it's the best era at all, but but at certain levels of how we were playing, it was it was the most inner interplay between all of the various members. You know, there was a lot. You know, and and um, so that was just Luther and I just always felt great playing together. Like within that context, we always were like, man, that was. You know, we'd walk off stage together and had a lot of nights where we were just laughing, like man, that thing that happened in Wiser Time or. Or been a long time or whatever it is. You know, we just had each other's number a lot. And we always felt that way.
1: Did that feeling come back to you guys once you started jamming and getting ready for the Bagman?
4: Yeah, it started right away. I mean, we didn't really, you know, the first thing we were doing was recording. You know, we talked about it a lot. We got in and when we went into a studio, we went in there because we thought we were going to, we may get a few songs done, but we'll probably just have demos of ideas. And, you know, Buddy's got a great student's house. We could go in there low key, nice and cheap. And then we just found ourselves tracking songs right away. It just fell right into place. I mean, it really, um uh, you know, it, for everybody who says things about, Oh, it was magic. It was this, I mean, it wasn't magic. It was just guys you like playing together, finally play together again. So it's kind of exactly what we should have expected.
1: Just felt right.
4: Yeah, it really did.
1: So when I listen to this, these songs that you guys put out i got a little bit of like a blues jazz improv improvisational like power trio is mm-hmm. that just what it sounded like or are you guys going kind of going for that angle
4: yeah yeah for sure i mean it's um i like it's the, the 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 there's a sparseness to the tracks there's you know if there's a if there's an overdub for guitar it's just one rhythm part under something he's already soloed or vice versa you know we're not doing there's one tune that we have where we're going to add, there's going to be a, you know, there's horns and backup vocals. There's a lot going on on exactly one song and the rest are pretty much just how you hear them, you know? Yeah. Um, And again, like without having too much of a master plan, that's one thing that we wanted is just for it to just be completely, you know, what you see is what you get. We don't want to record a bunch of stuff that we then can't go recreate live or at least, you know, we don't want to have to, be at a point where we're like, well, we really can't do that song without keys or we can't do that song without the horns. We have one song that's just calling for that stuff, but I imagine it'll be fine without it. We just want to put stuff, you know, we always said, let's just, let's just shine up one of these things and leave the rest of them as they are.
2: So is it difficult to put into words like what Luther brings to any musical situation that seeing how he grew up, you know, and his dad was a producer and all that, I know you mentioned before in the book that you guys in the band were really reverent, to Mm -hmm. him and everything his upbringing is that is that you know he just seems i would imagine he's just like walking music dna yeah he is i mean he's touched i mean that's just what
4: i that's the word i've always used for him you know there's a handful of of musicians or specifically a handful of guitarists that just it's not that they have a signature sound but it's just that they have a thing that goes just beyond that you know a sound and a feel and a touch and a vibe and a you know he's an incredibly aggressive and pretty player at the same time. He does a lot of things uh pretty uniquely in that regard. I mean, you know, I, and I I know a million guitarists that I love the way they play, a lot of great musicians and he's but he's just on this short list of guys that are to me just very singular. Um I felt that way before I played with him ever. You know, the first time I saw the All-Stars was probably in 2000 or maybe 99 even. And, you know, he was a kid, and I just sat there and thought, okay, well, there's another one of those guys. You know, he's just got his own thing.
1: So what the set list going to look like this week? You know, how, how many songs are you doing? you throwing some covers in? Uh, yeah, I, honestly,
4: I don't know. We'll figure it out Tuesday. I mean, seriously, <laughs> we're going to – I mean, I imagine we'll play – you know, we were playing about two hours before, 90 minutes to two hours. And um, we have some new covers that we're going to throw together and see if we can ha- hammer our way through them at soundcheck. And if so, we'll play them at night. Yeah.
2: I'm well, imagining we might be winding down here, I'm, I'm thinking we probably want to have a little bit of sports talk. And I know I have one question. I don't know, if Jason. I would imagine. <laughs> okay. I, so.
1: Get the music stuff out of the way because that's what Steve said <laughs> first, and then we can we can do some quick sports well, stuff. Well, my
2: my one question is: How do you rank, uh, Steve? How do you rank a Target Field amongst other major league parks?
4: It's pretty great. Uh, yeah. It's 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 really nice. Um, um, I I had it's one of the last of the. Uh, of you know I, i'd saw all the old parks back in the 90s and there's a there's a handful of the brand new ones the ones from the last 10 15 years i still haven't gotten to and this was on there so the first time i walked in i just did the you just do the walk like you do mm-hmm. i couldn't believe how and how tiny the area is like around mm-hmm. it like it's they wedge that sucker right into like yep. one city yep. block it's inc- just that alone is really impressive you know uh, but it's got a great feel, great lines every, you know, I've, I've been to a few games and been in different sections and just walking around. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, the first time I went, it was still really cold, mm-hmm. you know, just like, man, okay. Uh, but this, the summer games have been awesome.
2: Yeah. I've been there a couple times. It's a nice place.
4: I have it's no like problem. Close
2: it. You know, I have no so problem close.
4: cheering for the twins when, when the Orioles are not involved, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, but, that's uh, what i
2: was going to ask you, I'm sure you went to Orioles uh, game.
4: Oh yeah, I did. When the O's are playing, that's a different thing. Especially now that they actually are good again, I'm, I'm yeah. still every day. I I I see those scores and I watch the highlights, or if they're on, I watch it, and I'm just like, man, it has been so long since I have felt like this. It's pretty great.
1: <laughs> they have the best record, don't they, in baseball, or at least the AL?
4: Atlanta does. They're Atlanta. They're, they're they have the best. It's at the Braves and then the Orioles, which which. You know, have been my two teams. I mean, Orioles have been my lifelong team. And then when I moved right. to Atlanta, I figured, well, I can have a national league team, too. So the Braves, although I will say, but I, 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 when the Braves won the World Series a couple of years ago, I was I was a lot happier for all my friends who were Braves fans. I wasn't still like a day to day card carrying Braves fan at all. But I was happy to see him win it.
1: How far do you think Baltimore's going this year? I I I
4: think they'll go pretty far as long as they don't have to play Atlanta. <laughs> I think I think
1: the Braves are probably a little deeper,
4: but um, I mean, there's no reason to think they can't. I mean, I, I've seen people question the 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 pitching, but I mean, if you got the best record, they yeah. and they're the thing I like about them. They don't strike me as um, I, I they're you know they got that nice really young. We're too dumb to know how weird, how how much pressure there is. I mean, that could be their wild card, you know, the, I mean, their X factor for this playoffs, you know, like they got a bunch of kids and they are just playing really good baseball very consistently.
1: Yep. I can see my wife making a cameo behind us. Hi, Saskia. Oh, sorry. <laughs>
4: Hey, I got, I mean, I got a dog right over my shoulder. So,
1: you know, more than that right here. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's cleaning out the basement and bringing stuff. Our, our kids just left for college. So we're like cleaning out the house. So there, oh, there yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> yeah. My wife uh-huh. is moving our daughter into her apartment right now for her junior year.
1: Are all your kids out?
4: Yeah, we have two and they're both, they're both, uh, they're, I got a, I got a senior and a junior in college.
1: Oh. Man, yeah. it is. So I've got a freshman and a junior in college now. They're both mm-hmm. going to Ohio State. So sorry. Like, I'm, I don't I don't know why my kids end up going to Ohio State.
4: I just got uh, one Go ahead. It, no, th- th- there are worse things that could happen. I mean, you know, they're going to get a fine education. They're having the time of their lives. I, I don't care.
1: But Michigan football <laughs> owns them right now. This, They could easily do three years in a row.
4: Yeah. Um, I'm friends with Robert Smith, the running back who, you know, was on the Vikings for years. He's been a buddy forever. And uh, he he did not fare well against uh, Ohio State in the Earl Bruce days. And I always, oh boy. as they, and, and Ohio State just ran off like what, 19 out of 22 or something, or maybe it was even worse than that. And, um, and he would all, you know, I get that text from him and I'd always go, yeah, but, these are you know it's a shame you don't have any good memories like these you know and we just I have to have to take my shots where I can because Michigan might be on top right now but man it's still so it's been so my son's 23 I did not raise him to be a Michigan fan he just took it on it's you know it's in the house I'm watching he decides he's gonna be a fan and I tell him about you know like well, when I was a kid, this was a great rivalry. And in the nineties, Michigan owned Ohio State. Since yep. he was born, I think they've won three to- four times. You know, and he's just like, This sucks. W- why am I a Michigan fan? To which I always say, I leave. Go else. Go somewhere else. I don't care. You don't owe- you don't owe me anything.
1: It's plenty of others. Man, Earl Bruce and John Cooper just absolutely could not beat Michigan. Or no, it
4: was Cooper. It was uh Cooper. Robert Robert was, Robert was there with Cooper. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, Cooper was yeah the worst they would have a top three team and just couldn't get over the hump against Michigan
4: yeah every time and my son's like two of his really his closest friends went to Michigan and so they had a great last couple of years you know their 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 last two seasons um in Ann Arbor were, were awesome for them
2: all right I just got one other question sports and you mentioned the Vikings so when you moved to Nashville you talked about uh adopting the titans will you be adopting the vikings or are you still the titans guy? Uh,
4: same way with i'll cheer for him if the titans are not involved you know like it's fine to say i mean i obviously want to see him win it's great and i and i was a in different times in my life as a kid i liked different vikings teams it's not like that much of a stretch to say i can totally you know be with the vikings if they were to through 900 miracles play the titans in the super bowl i'm t- titans all day long i'm not <laughs> that, that wouldn't even that would that wouldn't even be a question
1: what's the uh what's the look for the what's the lookout for the titans this year how do you think they're gonna do
4: i don't know i honestly i haven't been paying that much attention um i uh i mean i'm, I'm far more excited about nashville sc and uh um i've gone back for some games for that over this season um i did not i wasn't at the game last night i had a trip planned for months and uh I was just watching it last night. (laughs) I'm like, man, my team, I got season tickets. I'm so excited. I waited my whole life to have soccer be prevalent and good, where I, you know, like it is, like the MLS is turning into. And Messi's in the stadium and I'm not there. It was, it really was driving me nuts.
1: I think you, I think Nashville ruined FC Cincinnati season, right?
4: They beat them in the, in this tournament. And then, um, but no, they're still. I mean, they're still way ahead so in the fun, standings. Man. They're still up top. Okay. Uh,
1: the regular season guy.
4: starts back. Regular season starts back like today for some teams. There's only a eight or ten games left for most teams, and then the playoffs oh, start.
1: Back. I wasn't. I don't pay super close attention. I'm a you know you know a Cincinnati sports fan, but not paying yeah. real close attention to soccer. And even living in Columbus, we've got you know we've got the crew here, but yeah, um, you know, only have so much time. Uh, you're a big soccer guy. What do you think of the Women's World Cup?
4: Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I I wasn't at all surprised that the U.S. women lost. I was surprised they played so well against Sweden, actually. Um, I think it's hilarious that everybody's so weird, freaked out that the rest of the world has caught up to us. Like, like that was never going to happen. Like, you know, like, everybody else flipped the switch, like, 12 years ago. Like, hey, we should really invest in, in the women's game. And that's why you have... You know, the English team, uh, or the English league, I should say. You know, Arsenal has their women's team. Tottenham, Man City, Man U. They have 40,000 people at all their games. It's big. You know, they just, once they got it in their heads, all these European nations, especially, that it's a game that women can play too, it's just a matter of time. Because when England decides to really back their women's team, they're going to do it in a way that the U.S. is never going to keep up with. U.S. soccer is just a bunch of knuckleheads, man. I mean, it's... It's terrible. They're, they're, they've are they're they always just been, just with the coaches they hire, they get it right sometimes. They get it really, really painfully wrong. But even as much as the fact that the women had to fight so long for equal pay when they've been the best thing for soccer in this country for 30 years, it's just the same old stupid shit. You know, you get people in charge who aren't necessarily putting – I mean, I was watching that MLS game last night, Nashville SC versus Miami, and the, the guy that runs – the commissioner of the MLS, Don Garber, I'm watching him, and now that's a guy whose sole goal in life is to grow the league. That's what he gets up every day and thinks about doing, and he makes decisions that are there to do that. And, and U.S. soccer just has not ever figured out how to simply grow the game. And we don't have to have an American brand of play. We have to have a good brand of play, whatever that is. And I don't know. We teach the game weird to our kids. We still haven't caught up to the rest of the world on such a fundamental base level on how people learn the game uh and it's it's happening we're making ground you know the women were ahead of the world now the world's caught up and the men are slowly still edging forward but you know it's i love the teams i support them but i just think that the organization is a mess always
1: are there too many options for kids to play different sports these days
4: i think kids should play a bunch of sports i mean the, the best you know um It's it's nuts. And soccer is its own worst enemy with this because they want to siphon kids off at six years old now. Yep. And play club, play club, do nothing else. Yeah. It's like by the time they're 12, 13, maybe, but playing as many sports. I mean, there's just too many great athletes who grew up playing four sports who all say i mean, even a guy to this day like John McEnroe. He'll say like, yeah, I was the number one tennis player in the world at 19. I was playing high school basketball at 17. You know, it's like (laughs) uh, it helped. Yeah, um, uh, I, I just think that the it's funny soccer in so many parts of the world is it's a it's a it's the sport of the street, and here it's the sport of the suburb. It's the sport of the minivan and the orange slices <laughs> and the you know the leagues and let's all learn this game. It's just so different the way we do it. But you know, I mean, like I said, I'm I'm always cheering for the national teams, but they got a lot of work to do to stay relevant, especially on the women's side, because some of the women in that tournament this time around. It's the first women's world cup where there was clearly, I mean the final eight teams, none of them had ever won a world cup before it was like, okay, this is a whole new realm. And that's ultimately phenomenal for the game for, for the women's game.
1: Yeah. I kind of feel bad for England, both from the men's and women's team at this point, you just, when they think they're going to win.
4: Yeah. I didn't, I was on a, I was, I was on a long
1: drive,
4: 3 a.m. drive to the airport to get up on an early flight. I was out on the coast. Um,
1: Oh, shit! You're gonna hit was, by a hurricane.
4: So I didn't. Uh, we were north. I, we were up in Oregon, oh, okay. up on the coast. So we, um, but um, I, I so I didn't see the game, but uh, I, I I'm not surprised. England was missing. You know, three of their best players weren't even in the tournament the whole time. Um, you know, and then I I, I mean they they were good, but I don't know. Spain just had a bit of a extra spark throughout the whole. Th- Every time I saw them play, I was like, man they they've really got
1: something. Yeah. I think women's soccer also translates well for viewership. Like it's, it's good to watch, you know, there's yeah. a lot of women's sports that don't right don't necessarily, but I, I have no problem with women's soccer. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right. I, I,
4: I've, I've watched the women's, I mean, I've, I've always watched the, I mean the first world cup in 91 and then obviously 99 when they at the Rose bowl. I've always thought the, the team was great
1: was, was the 99 the year they did the what was it the shootout with China was that like
4: yeah 2003 okay. 99
1: yeah that was a help that was, that was awesome I think that's really what sparked or helped spark more interest in the women's mm-hmm. these national team
4: well the interest is there among people it's just a question of you know a, a bunch of dudes who run TV networks and call advertising agencies that are run by dudes who have sponsors that are run by dudes and getting a bunch of men to go make someone wants to watch this i mean it takes a long time to make people realize like you know half the planet is is, are female they probably would like to watch women's soccer what a crazy concept
1: well for guys you've got a bunch of um fit female athletes running around i mean it's not horrible from that angle either
4: it's just no it's not and, and that team's always been the the best of you know it's a it's I, to my idea, to my mind, a perfect representation of, of what you would hope a national team from the United States would be. So um, it's just, it's just good soccer too. It's, it's, and I, I soccer and basketball are my two sports. And I will admit freely that women's basketball is not as entertaining for me as women's soccer. And I don't know why that is. Because when I was in college at Western Kentucky, their women's team was a top 10 perennial back then. And I used to go to their games and I loved it in person. And I guess like a lot of people maybe the physicality that you're lacking in the in from the men's game in basketball maybe that just is so much a part of it I can't get over that in my own hump uh you know technically fundamentally speaking women's basketball's far more you know it's fundamental I mean, it's, that's what you're it's, saying it's, it's, it's spectacular ball. you know if you're yeah, watching X's place. and O's if yeah. you're if you're into and 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 you know as many how many dudes do you know that like hate the modern NBA they just don't see and they put on the WNBA, man they're playing fundamentally perfect basketball and i say that while saying but i don't it doesn't hold my interest nearly as much as women's soccer always has. but then again i just i love soccer i'll watch any soccer game i'll go to a high school game tomorrow and be really happy to be watching
1: it yeah you hit on some good points though about it doesn't translate as well to the basketball side as it does soccer because i'm with you man you watch i'll watch some women's basketball and like you see the ball movement, you see the plays, mm-hmm. you see all that, and like this is like what basketball's supposed to look at. But yeah. for an entertainment factor, it just doesn't have the same like pizzazz as the men's do.
4: I can say this: having I was a I was a I played basketball you know through high school, and then when I was in college, that's really I didn't play for my university, but I played ball four hours a day every day. I mean, I just went to college to get really good at basketball. Essentially, looking back. <laughs> And uh, me and some guys on our team, we had a bunch of. This is in Kentucky. A lot of great ball players on campus, and we used to go scrimmage against the women's team uh, for two years, for a couple of years, my sophomore and junior year, right before the NCAA tournament. The coach knew a few of us, and he'd say, "Hey, bring bring five guys over, bring five ballers, and run up and down the court with my girls just to beat them up a little." He'd say, "Go in there and work them," and and I was. I was a really good high school basketball player and I would play with four guys who were all way better than me and those women would run us off the court man. I mean, you know, like for real. Yeah. I, I it's funny every year when I you'll hear people on sports talk saying, "I could get on the court. I could go out there right now, at 30 years old and play with the Tennessee Volunteer Lady Vols and I just sit there and think, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's not even close.
1: That's like they say the same thing with tennis like, "Oh, we could beat a women's tennis player. I one of my friends growing up, his sister won like the Ohio State high school championship three years in a row. Yeah, And like yeah. she would blow anybody off the court. You know, Yeah, my
4: son just told me a story. He went to high school with a girl who was the top ranked like 14-year-old in the state of Tennessee at 14, 15, 16. And she played college tennis. But when he picked up the game, he got really good really fast. He's a good athlete. And he was feeling like, Man, I think I got this down. And then he went out to just hit with his friend. And he said, all right. Play 100. She's like, I'm not going to do that. He's like, Come on, I think I got this. And then he just browbeat her into playing it 100. percent. And he was just like completely destroyed. You know, he was just like, She's tiny. You know, she's half his size, and she just literally obliterated him. That's that's how that works.
1: Yeah, I think I think probably a lot of people need to go through that a little bit to, to bring their yeah. Uh, yeah thoughts back.
4: Probably. All right. So. I, do, I will say I know this: we- speaking of women, and speaking of sports, speaking of music. There's an artist named Margaret Glaspy, who I've just heard her name and I've never seen her, G-L-A-S-P-Y. She just put out a new record Friday, a new album, and it is fucking great. Echo the Diamond, it's really, really, really good. And she's a badass guitarist.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Brian, I need to send you that link because, yeah, Steve, I, I listened to some of her stuff in her postings. I'm very impressed.
4: I, um, I heard her, I'd heard her name. I heard one of her songs a few years ago, but nothing registered. Like I, I, and I just heard a song on the radio here in town on a NPR station played a a song and then, um, and then I put it together that I know a guy in the business and we were chatting last year and he actually manages her, but I had never talked with him about her. I called him, I go, Hey, do you manage Margaret Glassby And he said, yeah. And I said how much I love the new song. So he sent me a link to her album like three weeks ago. And I've, I've listened to it top to bottom. I mean, I mean, over and over
3: and over again. It's
4: like my favorite record in a couple of years.
3: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey,
1: if you don't mind, if you don't think they'll mind, would you send me your friend's contact if he's managing her? We'll see if we can't get her on. Sure. Give her a little... Little p- we are the 14th rated blues podcast out of 45, Steve. So <laughs> it's like it's a big deal to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we'll take. You know, after your episode coming back, we'll probably yeah. be in the top ten. So we'll. You know.
4: Well, her um her this record is essentially live too. Like it's a three piece guitar. She has a, she has a crazy rhythm section. The drummer Dave King, who's awesome. And all the tracks are done live. And uh that's part of it too. The songs are great, she's great, but but the tracks themselves have so much, there's so much dynamic playing and you know, really uh really moody from all three. The bassist is phenomenal. I, I mean it's just that's what first got me was the tracks. I just couldn't even hear the song because I was like, oh my God, listen to that rhythm section. And then it just the the tunes are all great though, it's really good.
1: Yeah, awesome. no, for sure. We'll, we'll definitely check her out.
2: We always uh, uh, we always ask our guests to turn us on to something new. We didn't even have to ask you. You just gave yeah. it. So thank you for that. Yeah. He, sure. he was
1: ready. He was, he was ready for that one. All right. I know. You're, I, well, you're well
4: at, nine times out of 10, I don't have a new record I love. And it's always such a bummer. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'd love to be excited about it. Now, so I'm <laughs> happy to have one right now.
1: Uh, you know, we love promoting a lot of the newer artists. And so that's a big part of what we do because it's so hard for anybody out there to get. Their sound yeah. out or their or their music out, you know. I mean, as mm-hmm. you know, with the Bagman. So, two quick sports questions, and then we'll, we'll close out with the Bagman stuff. Um, who's go Who's going to be a surprise team in the men's college basketball season?
4: I have no idea, none whatsoever. Okay. So, of course, I will say that would be the Western Kentucky University Hilltoppers because uh-huh. I have no insight into anything in college basketball right now.
1: Neither do I. I was, I was hoping that you would give me. No, some that sport lost me a while ago, man. All right, you got an NBA pick for this year.
4: Um, I if they stay healthy, no one's beating Denver. I mean, Jokic is just. I love Giannis, but people just got tired of voting for Jokic. He should, Jokic is so far and away the, the the MVP of that league the last three four years. I mean, this is this should have been the Nuggets' third year. In a row, they just finally mm-hmm. all got healthy. You know, if they were healthy, if they stay healthy, when that guy is setting the tone for your locker room culture and who you are as a team, and when he sets every table and when he makes everyone play at that level, I, he's just spectacular to me. I love him. So I, I would say the Nuggets are, if healthy, man, I, I don't think anyone's beating
1: him. He's a throwback player where he'll set the screen, he'll make the pass, he'll do whatever he yeah. needs to do. Yeah, He's it's, it's great to watch. He's awesome. All right, the Bagmen, Steve. What's next for the Bagmen? You guys looking to release a full album at some point?
4: I mean, we're going to put everything up online, and then we'll see. I mean, honestly, we've got we've got these three shows this week. We've got a uh, we're going to be playing a couple more shows. We're going to announce a couple more shows for November, like probably later this week, and then um, we're just lining up, trying to line up. a show. We want next year to be busier. And we definitely want to be on festivals and just get out and be in front of as many people as possible. So which means we're already trying to book things right now. And we've got some things that are on hold and we'll see how many of them actually come through.
1: Have you played have you ever played the Southgate House there in northern Kentucky or been to it? No, nope. That's ah, a cool venue. You guys are going to dig it.
4: Yeah, I've, I've heard about that from from other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's got a good vibe to it. So I'll see you guys there on right Wednesday. On. And I'm going to throw some nice uh, hologram stickers at you guys, too, that you guys can, you know, put on your gear. Bring them on. do promote us.
3: Stickers so when, are
4: always welcome.
1: So when Margaret Glassby comes on, we'll move up in those rankings, those podcast rankings.
2: Nice. Sure.
1: <laughs> oh, Perfect. Brian, anything last for Steve?
2: Oh, man, just thanks for being on, man. We had all respect, all love. We it, Always a pleasure talking to you, brother.
4: Yeah, right on, fellas.
2: Thank you so much for Steve Gorman for coming back on the podcast and talking with us. Always a joy. Uh, great to know he's acclimated to winter. It kind of sounded like he didn't really need to acclimate. I know I, you know he didn't seem shocked. And, and, you know, oh no, like you said, you know, he, I got to well, do this here about Minnesota and, and know uh, what you're getting yourself into.
1: I'm sure he's gone through your neck of the woods um, with the crows many times in the winter oh, time. You yeah. would expect he just kind of a laid back guy that kind of takes it like it is, it's kind of you know, feels like the me at least.
2: Yeah. Well it, it kind of sounds like uh the 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 bagman is just kind of a get together jam and see what happens kind of band, which we love to hear about.
1: Yeah. And with playing playing with Luther in this, it's a this is the second uh other band now he's played with X Crow's guitarist when Tricker or Hippie originally started he had Jackie Green. On that first record, you know, and now mm-hmm. um, he's playing with, uh, who, who played guitar uh, for the new Trigger Hippie, the last Trigger Hippie. It was um, oh, the guy from Band of Heathens who plays with Nick, the bass player, who also does, mm-hmm. right? So anyway, second side project with a uh, ex chrome guitar player. And you know what? Luther Dickinson is a lot of people's second favorite guitar player the Crow's ever had.
2: Hey, I think yeah, a lot of people will say that. I mean, um, yeah, for sure, and, and I would agree. It totally made sense to me when he was in the band. So, um, and obviously, him and Steve have a great vibe playing together. So it's, it's I'm just thrilled that they're 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 doing this thing.
1: And I've heard their the first three tracks out. I really like them. They definitely have like a jazzy or bluesy improv, improv, improvisational edge to it, with some jamming in there. So. I think it's going to translate really, really well live, and you know Nick is a great guitar player, you know, or guitar player, bassist and singer. I saw so when when I was at Rock and Pod this past spring, and we were at the um, Nashville Bowl. Uh, Nick was jamming with Oddly Freed and just a random drummer. Remember, I ran into Oddly and, yeah. and Nick there, so he right. just he man, he's like just likes to just go out and play so. I'm looking forward to it. Like I told you guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna see the show uh, coming up this week. I'm super excited.
2: Yeah, oh, I'm happy for you. Yeah, for sure.
1: And I'll give a concert rundown <clears throat> on our next episode that we record.
2: That will be very cool as well. So, uh, you know, I can't wait till they get up in this area. Wink, hint, wink.
1: <laughs> wink. Well, we might have heard some inside scoop. So, yeah. has it? Yeah, you'll probably get a chance to see them at some point this this winter. <laughs> Weather and permitting.
2: And Steve uh turning on to turn us on to a new artist that we're looking forward to checking out.
1: Margaret Glaspy, yep. And I, I'll be reaching out to her manager to get listen. If Steve Brian, if Steve recommends the artist, guess what? We're checking her out. We're we're, we're, gonna, yeah, out we're gonna check her out. Absolutely. And uh it's good to talk to him. Um we didn't have as much time as we did last time, but it was a uh, fun conversation. That it
2: was so uh we're gonna check check out her music. You guys, we thank you for checking us out and listening to us. So always remember, Southern Rock is rabbit, blues is blood. We'll see you next time.